Really, uh, again, I'm not surprised. Uh, just excited, you know, for the Bucks and for Baker. And, uh, you know, he's playing great. Really cool to see. Really, really fun. And, you know, hopefully they can keep it going. You know, their confidence has to be really high and should be. And, uh, yeah, like you said, they, they, you know, it doesn't, you know, you, you start to figure it out and know what you got. It's pretty, you know, pretty good. You know, at the right time, it's, it's working well for them. So, yeah, I'm uh, just excited to see them go forward from here. Bob Stoops, yesterday on The Rush, joined us to talk some Baker Mayfield, some Zach Alley, some Nick Saban. Always a fun segment. You can catch that every single Tuesday at 3.20, brought to you by Modelo. But I did see a quarterback ranking of NFL quarterbacks remaining in the playoffs on the NFL Network. One of their shows, NFL Total Access. Lamar Jackson, they rank as the best quarterback left in the playoffs. No issue there. Josh Allen, two. Patrick Mahomes, three. Jared Goff, four. C.J. Stroud, five. Jordan Love, six. Brock Purdy, seven. Baker Mayfield, eight. Is Baker Mayfield the eighth best quarterback out of eight starters remaining in the NFL playoffs? No. No. I don't know where he is, but he's not last. I know that much. I mean, it, just just look at look at what he's done just this year. Look what he did against Philadelphia. And I know that Philadelphia, what annoys me is every sports show started out with, what's wrong with Philly? What's wrong with Philly? What's wrong with Philly? Let's do 10 segments on Philly and about Jason Kelsey and about Nick Sirianni and all this. And then they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, Baker Mayfield played well. It's like, bro, can we talk about the winners? Come on now. Yeah, um, I wouldn't – if I don't put him at eight, I'm not putting him any higher than, than, than seven. I, I can't put him in front of Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, of course. C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love are both young stars. And maybe I still have what I saw at Iowa State a little bit too much cooked in. But I would put Baker Mayfield at seven – and Brock Purdy at eight. Now, I know Brock Purdy's had an incredible career. The former Mr. Irrelevant has had an incredible career at San Francisco. But I think the immediate point for Baker would be he doesn't have nearly as impressive of a surrounding cast. So if we're judging it from that, like Baker Mayfield's year has been more impressive because not that the Bucks have a bunch of bums this year, but he's not surrounded with talent that got the number one seed in the NFC this year. So I'm not I'm not putting him in front of Jordan Love or C.J. Stroud. And there's maybe even a um, a gap between a noticeable gap between those guys and Baker Mayfield. But I put him in front of Brock Purdy most likely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think you're right. I think if you put Baker in Brock's situation, I think he would be putting up similar numbers. He's obviously got the worst situation. Can can everybody at least agree on that? I mean, they were last in the league this year in rushing. I think at like 88 yards a game, something like that. Um, I think a lot. I don't think many people watch their games. They probably think, well, Baker's really successful because he's got a big, big run uh, game and a, and a, and a and an elite defense, bro. They're like the 23rd ranked total defense, and I think they're and and they are last in rushing. Like that's 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 not exactly making life easy on the quarterback, you know, completely opposite of what San Francisco is doing, to your point. But I will say, you know, just stirring the pot here a little bit, but 
He's got more touchdowns and less interceptions than Patrick Mahomes. Ooh. Baker Mayfield, greater sign, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if if you were to just put up blind resumes and say, which quarterback do you think is is having the better year? They would pick Baker's stats. Yeah. I mean, he's got four. He's got four thousand yards. You know, Mahomes got forty one hundred. But and then, you know, Josh Allen, eighteen interceptions. Man, that's a lot of picks to throw. That's given the other team a lot of possessions. You know, I'm 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 gonna try uh I'm gonna try and get this Baker propaganda as much fuel as I can. Uh, but, yeah, he's probably seventh on the list. Uh, Josh Allen and Dak Prescott have almost the same numbers. Is Allen a fraud or Prescott legit? Uh, Prescott's legit regular season, fraud uh, postseason. That's, <laughs> well, that's... Allen has always turned the ball over a ton. That's been his knock, right? Like, I'm pretty sure since he came in the league, he leads, the leads you know, qualified quarterbacks in turnovers. I know he led the league. Last year or two years ago in turnovers, he's got 18 interceptions this year. I mean, he's a guy that, man, it's almost like when when Jameis Winston threw, like, 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions. Like, it's almost like that, a little bit less extreme. It's like Josh Allen can go win you a game, but, boy, he can throw you out of it quickly. Sean says the Bucks also aren't surrounded by talented teams in their division. I mean, oh, the, the no NFC doubt. South is – I mean, the, the Panthers are bad. The Bears are going to get, what, the number one pick because the Panthers were so bad. Um, Falcons, not great. Saints, not great. And if that's kind of a comparison between, you know, Baker and, and Brock Purdy, I mean, the NFC West was definitely better, but the Cardinals weren't good for a majority of the year, really kind of the entire year. They didn't beat the Cowboys earlier in the year, though. Um, and then I you mean, have, what, the Rams who made the playoffs as a wild card and then the Seahawks who just missed out. I mean – the NFC East is probably, I mean, statistically, they got the two best teams in the playoffs, and they both got blown out. So, I mean, you can say they, you know, they played, you know, easier opponents, this, that, and the other. Sure, they did. But then they got to the postseason, and all bets are off. Like, it's, you're zero and zero when you get to the postseason. And I, the fact of the matter is, Baker Mayfield went for 337 and three touchdowns with no picks. And uh, like seven drops, right? Was, was it oh, the final number? It was quite a bit. Yeah, he had like five in the first half. But I'll tell you what, have you been paying attention to, and I'm sure you, you've got the auto or somebody else does, but paying attention to the weird like press conference stuff going on with, with Tampa Bay? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I do have the audio of it, actually. Like um, the Detroit question, and then you see what's going on between C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Baker? No, I have not seen that. Oh well, you, you, you'll uh, you'll have to pull that up uh, um, during the break or something like that. But yeah, CJ Gardner Johnson uh, and Baker already uh, trading some jabs ahead of the uh, game on Sunday. Nice, good. Well, I'm, I'm already excited about the game on Sunday. I didn't even need that, but it just it's just something else to add in there. Yeah, something else. God, to if add. he wins that game, Tyler, I'm going to be so obnoxious, like more obnoxious than usual next week. Smack talk galore already, and then he's the number eight quarterback left. He just feeds off of it, right? Just what what he needs going into going into a playoff game. Yeah, he, Travis is referencing a question that uh, Todd Bowles was asked. Um, he was asked about the weather and how it could affect a game that is going to be played inside. Looking forward towards um, Detroit. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams. Uh, today it's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures we tend to talk to. 
any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. I don't. Um, no, nothing planned. We're we're indoors, and we only have to be outside for twenty seconds, getting off the bus, going under the thing. So we'll be okay. Man, that's um, she's gonna get made be made fun of that question for a long time. That's not something that's gonna go away anytime soon. But she's lucky she asked the question to Todd Bowles because he handled that about as nicely as you could. Could you imagine asking that question to, I don't know, Bill Belichick instead? It may have been a four-word or five-word response, but it, it would have cut a lot deeper than what that response from Todd Bowles sounded like. I mean, he, he had a smile on his face. Like, that's the tough part is because, like, you know it's a dumb question. You know that she just hasn't done her research. You know what I mean? Like, you just know – like, how do you kind of dismount that? Well, um, playing a dome. So, like, you don't want to make them feel stupid, but there's no way not to, Tyler. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> you said don't do your homework. She's obviously never watched a, a Lions home game before or, or didn't watch the game last Sunday when the Lions played at home, right? That's, right. Uh, man. I, I don't know. Maybe she thinks, was it the old Metrodome at, uh, in Minneapolis? That there was so much snow on top of it that it collapsed oh, yeah. after the team. Oh, yeah. Maybe that's what she thinks is, is going to happen. There's so much snow in Detroit. I have no idea what the forecast is going to be. But there's going to be so much snow on the roof that Ford Field is going to – it's going <laughs> to – it's just going to cash through like the Metrodome did 10 years ago or so. Yeah, I, trust me. As a Vikings fan, I'm, I'm – and as a guy that attended um, some games in the Metrodome growing, when I was just a, a little boy um, – yeah, it was sad to see it go. It, it, it the, the video footage, the security footage of all that snow coming down onto the turf was pretty fascinating. Um, but yeah, I don't. How do you? I mean, how do you? Like these reporters only get so many questions, right? We we know how this works, and usually they ask questions because they need a quote for a story that they're working on, right? For that week that they're going to drop. And Tyler, if her big story that week she'd been working on is how Tampa Bay is going to survived the cold weather and she had all this stats brought up about cold weather teams and she asked that and he says they play in a dome that's all everything she had been planning for this game is out the window i think you go for i think you go with it now <laughs> you just gotta lean into i mean it. if you want page view like the follow-up from that the story of it i'd read it and the quote would be great we're only gonna have to deal with it for about 20 seconds gem of a quote there from todd bowles what she was looking for i i think you run with the story just go ahead and do it I'll watch I, it, newscast, whatever it is. Yes, I will consume it, as will the rest of us. I liked, uh, was it Baylor a few years ago? I forget what player said it, about the rebounds. Said, yes. So they uh, they got more rebounds than you guys did. What, what what happened there? And he took took them through, you know, moment by moment, an explanation of what a rebound is, and then said, yeah, they did that more than we did. Like, <sighs> that was that, it was Torrey and Prince after an NCAA tournament game. <laughs> yes, yes. Back in 2016. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, yeah, she wasn't a sports reporter. She was on another beats, but oh, poor. Uh, I mean, hey, you know what? It takes a lot of courage to get up there if you're not a sports reporter and ask the head coach a question. So, you know, kudos, I suppose. Nine one eight. I like how there was a random cough in the middle of that question. Like nobody meant to cough, but they were probably trying not to bust up laughing. Right. <laughs> like, I'm sure like, there was hey, at least. Look at me. I'm trying to steer you off of this one. 
I'm sure there was at least one person in the room that started second guessing themselves. Like, wait, 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 does Troy play outside now? Wait, 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 hold on. Somebody was Googling, you know, doing a quick Google while she was asking the question. Oh, that's They've tough, had a man. retractable roof for 20 years, but no one's been watching Lions games, so no one knew. I'm, tr- I'm, try- <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think. I'll, I'll have to think about it on the break or maybe do some quick Googling myself. But there was another question asked like that by a reporter that was completely wrong. Like, oh, I'll just have to look it up. But it reminded me of that, just that look in his eye like, uh, well, they play in a dome. Oh, so awkward. Uh, this text from the 405, Toby and TJ think the sports department set her up. News reporter doing sports. Oh. <laughs> what That'd if be a that hell was of a the prank. case? A if hell no of one a liked her around there in the office and, yeah, just um, ask about the weather. Oh, man. That is the ultimate prank. Oh. Dang. That, that, you know what? In, in 2024, that may be grounds for a lawsuit. <laughs> it could be. Tulsa Boomer says the Lions have played indoor for 30 years. Yeah, it's like this, they didn't just get a new stadium three years ago and they've been playing outside for 40 years. The old stadium that they played in, what was that, the Silverdome? That was indoors as well. So it's, it's, it's been a while since, uh, I mean, have, have the Lions ever played outdoors? I don't know what they had before the Silverdome. No, I, I highly doubt it. But it's, yeah. All right, well. We should we should ask we should ask Teddy what it was like playing outdoors. You know, uh, I'll up have in to, Detroit. I'll have to do that tomorrow. <laughs> how he, ask him how he handled the weather on game day. Four zero five six five one thirty four thirty nine is the Knipple Myers Chevrolet text line. I asked on our Twitter and Facebook pages what you guys think is the most difficult game for OU football in twenty twenty four. Really, the most difficult SEC game, and the answers were quite different than what they would have been a week ago. We'll tell you about that coming up next, and we'll uh, get some more submissions from the text line as well right here on The Ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. If you're looking for big wins and good times, Riverwind is the best place to play. With the best food, drinks, and service. Join us every Friday in January for our winning resolutions giveaway. Foundation. See your somewhere. One week ago today, the massive story dropped. Nick Saban was retiring at Alabama. It dropped in the middle of the show, and that was one of the days, Travis, where you rip up the entire rundown sheet and say, all right, this is what we're doing for the rest of the day, the impact of Nick Saban uh, retiring for, uh, from our favorite sport. So I can't say a week ago today the answer to uh, our social media question today would have been different, but eight days ago, if I ask OU fans, hey, what do you think is OU's most difficult game in the SEC? I don't think 100% fans would have said Alabama, but don't you think the majority of fans would have said Alabama is OU's toughest game in the SEC next year, eight days ago? Yes, and uh, I think I would have said that as well, even though it's a game at home. But what do you think the percentages would have been? Like, Do you think the second leading vote we had would have been at LSU, or do you think it would have been Texas? Um, I probably, hmm, because sometimes people look at that question as what's the most important game. Like some people just always say Texas, no matter what. And we've been kind of trained to think that way. 
and I definitely still think it's the most important game. Yeah, but I don't think I would, it would have been the toughest game next year. Probably at LSU, it would have been second. Yeah, I mean they're loading up, and it's I don't know it, if they can fix their defense immediately. The LSU, I mean, is it LSU now? So are you willing to say that it's at LSU now is the toughest game well, on next year's schedule? The the point is eight Texas days, is the most is the most important though. Obviously, eight days ago, I think if I asked the same question I asked today on social media. Alabama gets the most responses. Now, I haven't counted up every single vote on Twitter and Facebook, but I've scrolled through a few times. I I got a pretty good idea of where people stand. There's not a whole lot of Alabama submissions now. In fact, at Ole Miss has way more. Texas has way more. At LSU has way more. So, judging by, you know, mid-January, judging by these responses, and the text line can sound off as well, Alabama is like fourth at best in the vote so far for the toughest game next season. It's pretty fascinating. Hey, the, life comes at you fast, man. Life comes at you fast, and life is coming at these uh, Alabama, these Silver Spoon Alabama fans, very quickly right now, because they are all whining about the transfer portal and how there needs to be changes and the sports ruined and this, that, and the other. There are Tyler. There are kids in college right now. That have never known. I know. Like in their in their cognizant college football lives, Alabama to not be competing for national championships. Their whole lives, Tyler. And um, a lot of those kids, in my experiences, seeing Alabama games kind of act like it. I, I, kids are punks. News break. You know, right? Like Even Nebraska fans were flipping you and I off as we are walking to the stadium last right. year. Kids. Uh, kids, geez. But, yes, uh, the, the older Alabama fans, like when we went out to Tuscaloosa in 03, they came here in 02. Alabama fans were awesome. It was like the favorite fan base of OU fans. And I still think like the older Alabama fans are really cool. But, yeah, man, there is a section of their fan base that has not experienced what I think they might be about to experience, which is a 9-3 and three season. Just crazy to think about. Yeah, it's weird, man. It's really, really weird. And, and they'll, get, they'll get that shock treatment. And then I think DeBoer and Grubb and those guys, they'll, they'll start putting some things together. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be ugly. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like how OU fans felt, you know, in the, in the one rebuilding year that we really had. I mean, I'm not sure they're going to go 6-7, and seven, but – I mean, eight and four is on the table. Seven and five might be on the table, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, again, they're they're over under win totals at nine and a half right now. So that's kind of where Vegas is at. They're a, they're an underdog in at least a couple of games that they play, and we'll we'll see what they look like. It has not diminished my excitement for Alabama coming to town, but I do agree with the with the text line and the Twitter and Facebook submissions that we got. Eight days ago, I think Alabama would have been the toughest game on the schedule. Now I think it's at LSU. I would put at LSU in front of Alabama at this point. The way that OU's played on the road, uh, that environment that you're going to face. Uh, I know Alabama, or excuse me, LSU had a bit of a setback last year, but I think they'll be better defensively. They'll still have a good offense. I'd put that at number one and Bama somewhere, like maybe around number three or number four. So I, I guess... I guess I don't differ all, all that much from the submissions that we've gotten today, which is crazy. Do you think, do you think by the time we kick off, OU's a, a home favorite? Against, against Bama? Um, I would say probably that Bama would still be a slight favorite. 
they're, they're, they still hold, hold on to that little bit of that credit that they've had now for over a decade. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's it's going to take some getting used to, even from the non-Alabama side, right? Even from the Oklahoma side, from 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 every other school that has had Alabama come into town or you go there, it's going to take some getting used to, no doubt about it. What do you think? you think toughest game's at LSU? Or are you still sticking with yeah, Bama? Yeah, well, it's tough because their defense was real bad last year. And Jaden Daniels was the reason they won a lot of games, and they don't have him. So is Nussmeyer going to be 80% of the production that Jaden Daniels had? You can still win some games that way. Uh, you know, they're going to lose Malik Neighbors, big time, you know, first-round type wide receiver. It depends, man. Jaden Daniels is not easy to replace. So I suppose I suppose we'll see. It's they got a lot of time to figure it out with it being the last game of the season, but I'll tell you what, so does Oklahoma. I'm just, you know, and I'm looking at it, I'm really weighing the road game environment as well. Like, when, when's the last time OU's played in a true road environment like that? Ohio State, Tennessee, the, the two that immediately come to mind. Yeah, like I don't think you that. face something like that in the Big 12. No. No, I, I would say, yeah, you're, you're probably – you're probably right on it. I mean, my my mind goes to, and I know that the timeline doesn't go with yours, but at Tennessee, I feel like, you know, Baker's coming out party, you know, the chef brilliance, you know, fourth quarter and overtime. I feel like that is the quintessential, like, SEC environment. 100,000 strong. You know, they all got shut up by the end of it, but it was, you could hear it through the TV screen. Yeah, and the, uh, the bourbon – and everything else will be flowing that night. We're, we're, we're down there, uh, what, Thanksgiving weekend? Saturday after Thanksgiving? Well, it's the last uh, game of the regular season this year, so I, I think it would be. It's going to be a yeah. wild experience, man. going to be yeah. a wild experience. And something will be on the line. E- like, yes. The Athletic does not think so from the OU side. They, uh, they have OU going 7-5. and five. I did see that today. Yeah, but they do yeah. have LSU going 12-0 and 0 this year, which I don't really know how – they came to that conclusion after losing a, a Heisman winner and being that bad on defense. But, yeah, somehow they've projected LSU to go 12-0. and I'll have to look at LSU's schedule. I mean, I that's shocking. But if I'm not mistaken, OU, because Jason Kersey was OU's athletic writer, I'm pretty sure the athletic doesn't have an Oklahoma writer Correct. right now. yes. So I'm not shocked that, uh, you know, if, if people are – Picking on Oklahoma, and they look around the room, and ain't nobody there to stick up for them. Seven and five sounds about right from them. Five one two, not confident in BV having OU ready for SEC road games. We play really bad on the road in the Big Twelve. Different team. Well, that's that's got to switch. How do you switch from being a bad road team to a, a good road team? Uh, not be bad on special teams. Take care of the football and find a consistent running game, amongst some other things. Well, yeah, uh, you know, defend late. You know, don't don't let them hang around. Get some stops when you need to. But I mean, we we lost in a in a freezing monsoon that had a rain delay, a, 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 like a sleet delay, lightning delay at KU. Lost in Bedlam. Really feel like we shouldn't. But it's not like OU went on the road last year and just didn't know what to do. Like got blown out by. I mean, they lost by what a total of seven points, eight points. What was it? Uh, I don't what you lost the by combined Kansas and Oklahoma State losses. Yeah, I, I don't remember the the exact amount. Uh, right, wh- whatever it was, it was it was a small amount. But 
Yeah, got to be better on the road, and uh, thank God for Billy Bowman that you won at BYU, huh? Yeah. But they got Bama going ten and two, Georgia eleven and one, LSU twelve and zero, Missouri eleven and one, Texas eleven and one. So somehow all these teams are going to play each other, and they're yeah, just not going to lose. <laughs> how is that even mathematically possible? Bama ten, Georgia eleven, LSU twelve, Missouri eleven, Texas eleven. Dang, that's a lot of double digit win teams you- next year. How do you have three 11-win teams and a 12-win team? I, I mean, there's more teams, so you're not going to frequently play as much as the other teams. But, yeah, that's still I, – I wouldn't bet on that happening. But I mean – OU 75, 5-0 start, and then a 2-5 and five finish the rest of the way. That'll be a fun. That'll be a fun uh, seven-week stretch on the post-game show, if that's any God, sort of I, true. God, I hope not. Oh, I hope not. For our sakes. And, Selfishly, and, for our sakes. And sense. a lot more night games, which we uh, got a little bit of a taste of a night game road loss uh, after the Alamo Bowl, you know? Yeah. All these 11 a.m. games, not everyone's as liquored up as they are later in the evening. We find that found out it's a little bit more, it's a little different uh, for a night game after a loss. That, that Alamo Bowl postgame, the vibes <laughs> were worse than they were after 49 <laughs> Like, the vibes were worse than that. In an exhibition. Uh, Incredible. That's He's not overstate. Uh, it's, <laughs> that's exactly what it was, man. It was, it was insane. Uh, Blue says Alabama will still have more talents than at OSU or Kansas. Got to win them all. Hopefully oh, Brent sure. and the new D.C. will tighten up the D. And Latrell will not go brain dead in a few games like Jeff Lebby did. Yeah, I'd like I that mean, as well, Blue. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't put a defensive end back uh, to uh, catch a kickoff. Hopefully we don't run Jalil Farouk up the middle, you know. Hopefully we don't snap it off our quarterback shins. Hopefully we don't, you know, the little things you can just point to that we didn't do well last year. Just the little things, huh? Not put a defensive end back there to catch a kickoff? Just the Yeah, things. like that, that kind of stuff. Like, don't do that. Greg from Lawton says, only in the SEC can you get that many teams with one loss. It's just different in the SEC. And those losses, Tyler? Quality losses. Yeah, how many of those teams make the playoff, by the way? Bama's in at 10-2. and two, Georgia's in at 11-1. and one, LSU's in at 12-0. and 0, Missouri's in at 11-1. and one. You know Texas is in at 11-1. and one. Hell, half the field's going to be the SEC next year. <laughs> hey, that's why we moved, right? <laughs> Man. We might be in at 7-5 and five based on the I, SEC bias. Yeah, they may have to be the 10 seed, but they'll be in as, at 7-5. Uh, 405-651-3439. We'll get to more of your text. Hit the big stories in college football as well right here on The Ref. Do you eat, sleep, and breathe Sooner football? We do too. This is The Ref, home of Sooner fans. If you're looking for big wins and good times... Riverwind is the best place to play with the best food, drinks, and service. Join us every Friday in January for our winning resolutions giveaway. Play to win your share of $80,000. Play with your wild card all month long. Welcome to the best casino in the Metro. Hey, everybody. Josh Elmer here. Oklahoma high school basketball is back and we have it is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. Big story in college football really starts with Alabama today. As Caden Proctor was a true freshman last year, former five-star recruit, 
Start on the offensive line for Bama. He announced his intentions to enter into the transfer portal today. Looks like he's going to end up back at Iowa, where he's from. And then Caleb Downs, who was SEC freshman of the year this past year. Uh, Some think he had a chance to be the best defensive player in college football this season as a sophomore. Announced his intentions to enter into the portal. Looks like Georgia and Ohio State, the two front runners for Caleb Downs. They also lost a top 40 recruit in the 2025 class in edge player Zion Grady. So, Travis, they lose two. They're probably their two best young players. And they've had so many commits here recently that a week ago, I think they were top three in the 2025 class. Now they're not even in the top 25 in the 2025 class. Wow. Like I keep saying, life comes at you fast, man. It's college football. And... You know, I think I think some of it is just shock, right? They committed to Nick Saban. Everybody says Nick Saban's gone. They're going to stink. I got to get out of here. There's probably some of their coaches that are calling saying, "Hey, Nick's gone. They're probably going to stink. Maybe you should look at us again." I would imagine some of the people that leave Bama, especially in the 2025 class, end up recommitting. You know, it, some, not all of them, but some will end up recommitting, or people that weren't, uh, you know even decided, but where Bama leans will continue to be Bama leans. Bama's not all of a sudden going to have the 45th ranked recruiting class. In I, I really don't think so. I, it's it's just not going to happen. Like it's, they are not going to be rivaling, you know, Tulsa for their recruiting class, which Tulsa has a better signing class than OSU right now. So maybe I shouldn't be picking on Tulsa, but it's Bama's going to be fine. They're just not going to be close to what Saban did because nobody's ever been close to what Saban did. I found this story wild. Uh, Deion Sanders. We know what Deion's been about because, well, ESPN and Fox love to talk about some Deion Sanders and everything that he says, right? Well, apparently Deion Sanders gave his blessing to his two sons, Shiloh and Sidur Sanders, to miss the first team meeting of the year at Colorado so they could walk in Paris, uh, walk in the Paris Fashion Week, and there's video of Shadur and Shiloh Sanders walking in the Paris Fashion Week. Deion Sanders, of course, gave his blessing for his two sons to miss the first team meeting. Now it does sound like it goes a bit against what Dion was saying since he's gotten there, but. Welcome to college football in 2024, where your starting quarterback uh, has to miss the first team meeting because he's at Paris Fashion Week. What a game. Yeah, I mean, I've seen the photos. Um, I'm far more concerned about what they're wearing. Uh, it's it's like a really weird, like, bird hunting meets mm-hmm. Louis Vuitton type. It's it's very odd. But it's like if you went out to to to, to go on a, on a hunt and you said, "Wait, I can't forget my Louis Vuitton either." I, right. I, I got I to take that along with me. Exactly, mm-hmm. and and you know, when he got there, he said, "You know, my boys aren't going to be treated any differently." And in order for that to be the case, you know, it, it's only a problem if you don't allow other players to skip meetings for NIL opportunities. I mean. That that's really where this is, and if and if all Bama players, if Jordan Seaton can miss time because he's got to go shoot a car dealership commercial, that's that's just how you got to that's how you got to do it. I don't care if it's something like Fashion Week or if it's something like going and doing an autograph signing. It is 
an NIL opportunity. So as long as he keeps that same energy across the board, Tyler, I don't think he will. What's, uh, what, what did Dan Lanning say before the Oregon-Colorado game this year? We're fighting for wins, and they're fighting for clicks. There's a difference. Isn't that what he said? Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was clicks. <laughs> clicks or views or whatever it was. All, all the same, right? Uh, yeah, it's... You know, after finishing, what did they finish? One and eight in the Pac-12, mm. dead last. Nice. I, uh, I think I would probably. I don't know. Coach Prime can do whatever the heck he wants. He's signing more transfers. He signed Jordan Seaton. We will see. But they've got to be more competitive this year. Obviously, I think the Big 12 is a little bit worse than what the Pac-12 was, or at least what they ended up as last year. We'll see how they fare. But if they finish near the bottom of the Big 12. People are going to start uh, thinking this uh, Coach Prime thing may not be all it was cracked up to be. Betting services have Colorado at uh, four and a half wins as the over-under this year. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So it sounds like getting to a bowl win in year two would uh, exceed expectations, at least expectations in Vegas. So Significantly. And we've got on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line from the 918, just want to clear something up. Uh, How are these players from Alabama entering the portal? I thought it was closed. So – Anytime your head coach leaves, it reopens the portal for you for 30 days. Yep. So, for example, if Jim Harbaugh takes an NFL job, well, Michigan's portal will open up for 30 days, and that's whenever 30 days from whenever he leaves. So that's why it seems like every time you see a transfer portal announcement, it's because Alabama's in this re- weird spot right now with them, Arizona, and Washington that – only their players can enter right now. So the, the window, it, it changes. Again, this might be something that they change in the future. But for right now, that 30-day window applies to Alabama, Arizona, and Washington. Yeah, I mean, a- Alabama's felt like they've been bulletproof on just about everything now since you know Saban really started to get it rolling in 2008. But this puts them in a really tough spot, <laughs> losing their best players, and they can't add anybody else via the portal, at least right now. Not until the second signing period, uh, or the uh, uh, portal uh, window is open. So, ba- yeah. yeah, Bama's in a tough spot. And you mentioned uh, Michigan. They could potentially be in that spot as well. That's where I was going to go next with Jim Harbaugh. He's interviewed with the Chargers. He's interviewed with the Falcons. Guys, that guy not in a great spot? Oh, he, he, man. I mean, maybe – well, I don't think maybe. I think he wants to be in the NFL, and he may have that opportunity. But if it doesn't for the third year in a row, oh, well, I'll just go back to the school who's – going to redo my contract pay me a whole lot of money you know we just won a national championship there he has I don't I don't remember the last time a coach had this much leverage and maybe maybe Tyler I'm a prisoner of the moment got a little recency bias sure but I would implore the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line to I don't know tell me the last time somebody did because Tyler he's already been in the NFL He's already taken a team to the Super Bowl, and he just delivered a national championship that a very proud and wealthy fan base has been starved for. And he's beating Ohio State, which is a lot of just the only thing that matters to a lot of them. Like, he has so, – I, I don't remember the last time somebody had this much leverage. Well, Nick Saban could have that much leverage if he wanted to flirt with anybody right now, including Alabama. But, yeah, I, I can't, I can't remember th- anyone either. Do you think – I don't know. Do you think that if, like, if you were an NFL GM, would you hire Harbaugh or Saban right now? Um, I mean, I, I think Harbaugh's an incredible roster builder. I mean, it'd just be hard for me to, 
turn down the goat at this point. I, I know it didn't work out. It worked out better for Harbaugh in the NFL than it did for Saban, but I, uh, I, I would still, I'd still trust Saban. Well, see, and that's what that's why I lean Harbaugh because it's like, at least if I'm an NFL GM, I know that I can hire the guy that took an NFL franchise to the Super Bowl, and if it doesn't work, I probably won't get fired. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So that's why I think Harbaugh has such a unique position of leverage is because any NFL team will pay him an absurd amount of money and probably give him a decent amount of control as well. Took so, a team to a Super Bowl, man. He did that. Man, I just – Harbaugh, you know, when he says who's got it better than – I mean, he – Ain't nobody got it like Jim Harbaugh right now. Our buddy Doug Miles says, has this already been mentioned? I am. I imagine I am not the first to bring it up. Doug, um, what I'm about to read from you, we brought it up during Locked In today, but, but I'll bring it up again because it's interesting. I, I didn't realize this until today. It says, both of Oklahoma's losses in 2023 were against teams with an extra week to prepare. Looking at the 2024 SEC schedule, the week before playing Oklahoma – Tennessee plays Kent State. Auburn hosts Arkansas. Texas has a bye. South Carolina visits Alabama. Ole Miss has a bye. Mizzou has a bye. Alabama hosts Mercer. LSU hosts Vanderbilt. <laughs> Dang, man. God. Those are three buys and a couple of virtual buys in there for the, yeah. for the OU. I mean, that's a bummer. There's no doubt about it. That's a bummer. And Welcome got... to the SEC. Here you go. Right, and who do we play after buys? I don't have the schedule up in front of me. Uh, well, you got a buy before Texas. I think OU and Texas have uh, a buy before they play each other, right? Right, and then don't we have a? Oh man, I'm before Mizzou to think maybe when they have their their other buy. And then because and then we've got Maine, which is a virtual Maine buy right Bama, before right? Bama and LSU. Yeah, that that last two right. game stretch. So we've we've got a little, but the difference is Tyler. You know, sure, you're playing teams that that have a week off ahead of you. The difference is like. Everybody in the Big 12, and, and this is going to sound super pompous, but it is what it is, Tyler. Every team in the Big 12 spends a significant amount of time in the offseason game planning for Oklahoma because that's that's king of the mountain in the conference. Like, I don't care about 6-7 and seven last year, man. I do, but not in this context. Like, Oklahoma is who they prepare for. Oklahoma State, you can obviously say that. Texas, you can obviously say that. But in the SEC, you're not going to have to deal with that as much. Like you're not going to you're not going to get to the Alabama game and they're like, ah, yes, this is the team we've been preparing. The only team we gave extra work on all year. Like LSU's not going to do that. Like other teams aren't going to do that as much because you need to spend more time on each team individually. So I think yeah, the buys are definitely going to be an issue, but you're not going to have an entire conference just trying to paint the target on one team's back like they have in the Big 12 for the last 20 years. Who was uh, – it was UCF before OU's – or after OU's by this year, right? Yes. Not a, not a great performance. ESPN said it was the 100th best college football game of the season, but, yeah, not OU's best performance of the year. It was top the, 100. Nice. Top 100. Two wins and two losses in there. The Texas win came in at number two. Second-best college football game of the season, says ESPN, behind the Iron Bowl. It's pretty awesome. I, I, it, it feels like it should have been number one. Like, I get the Auburn, you know, or the Iron Bowl. It was a collapse, <clears throat> no doubt. 
But, what, fourth and 23, I think, is when he made that throw. But, man, the swings of that, that you know, Red River game with, with the special teams craziness, turnovers, big plays. I don't know, man. I, I'm, I'm heavily biased, but that game's number one. 405-651-3439. More of your text. More OU football as well right here on The Ref. Join the movement. The Ref Army is growing. Don't miss a second of the Sooner coverage. To putting them to bed at night and every moment in between. I think a parent's job is to protect our children but also prepare them for the world so they become good, kind human beings. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The reigning back-to-back national champion Oklahoma women's gymnastics squad opens their home schedule on Friday, January 26th. Get to the Lloyd Noble Center early for a mini national champions replica banner giveaway as the Sooners host Denver at 645. Tickets start at $8 and beer prices are slashed to just 2 bucks for the Sooners home opener. Reserve your seats today at Soonersports.com slash tickets and we'll see you on Friday, January 26th for Oklahoma Gymnastics. Central Oklahoma Buick GMC dealers bringing you hour number two of the rush. Talking a lot about Alabama today and what's going on with those guys in the transfer portal, but not talking a whole lot about what's going on with OU in the transfer portal. There's a reason why. There's not a whole lot to talk about as of right now, which some are upset about that we're not talking more about uh, Alabama players or Arizona or Washington players. Uh, targeting OU or looking at OU in the portal. That's just not the case right now. Really, the only name to mention for OU in the portal is Lance Hurd, the former LSU offensive lineman. But I think the only thing to say, Travis, is it still continues to trend Tennessee's way. I don't really think that's going to flip either. Yeah, I know Ohio State was trying to get involved, but I expect them to be heavily involved uh, trying to get Caden Proctor too. I know a lot of people are saying Iowa. But we're in the bag era you know, for you Taylor Swift fans out there. Um, yeah, the thing is, it's got to come down to numbers, right? And OU has to get to a scholarship number. And I think, Tyler, I think they might be pretty close to it or a couple over. So I think, you know, you want additions, but I think they're going to have to be some more departures if Oklahoma's going to get to their number. I'll check on that uh, in the next break. But with the big class they just signed, that's why these PWOs are so important. That's why guys like... Jake Roberts and Casey Thompson and, you know, a, a lot of the, the new class that's coming up, Bergen Kaiser, right? Like these guys that are preferred walk-ons because they don't count against your numbers. Like, so if you're, if you're looking for Oklahoma to take 10 more people in the portal, then I need, I need you to tell me that the 10 or 11 players you want Oklahoma to leave. Well, this text says for the 918, do you guys think the portal entries in the spring won't be as high profiled as the portal entries in the winter? Are, are you talking about OU or are you talking about the sport as a whole? I, I mean, regardless, the answer is probably it, it feels like normally the more high profile portal entries happen in the winter versus the spring. Yeah, and I think it's especially true because you have like a an Alabama exodus, right? Like it, I, I don't think, you know, you wouldn't see two freshman All-Americans leaving Alabama if Nick Saban didn't leave Alabama. You wouldn't be seeing Isaiah Bond leave Alabama if, if Nick Saban didn't leave Alabama. So 
you've you've got this, so it feels a bit bigger than it than it has in the past. But no, I think I think spring will be a lot of guys that maybe didn't get the starting job they thought they would, or maybe didn't I don't know get you know, on the depth chart where they like. I'm worried about linebacker at Oklahoma, man, because Kip, Kobe, Jaron are all fighting for one spot, and that leaves Sammy, Phil, and Lewis behind whoever doesn't get those spots. And you bring in Nesta. I'm, I'm just, I'm a little bit worried, man, just numbers wise. Yeah. All right, final hour of the rush coming up next. We'll talk some OU hoops tonight, and of course OU football as well. College football too, right here on the ref. 